Welcome to The Naked Truth, real talk about West Coast Swing. My name is Eric Jacobson. And I'm Deborah Seke. And this is our very first episode. How are you feeling, Deborah? Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm excited too. This has been um, many weeks in the making of putting this all together. I feel like it's months or years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was explaining it as my my very brief pregnancy, but not nearly as painful. Um, right, not painful at all, really. Just getting things set up. Um, I have to admit, though, I'm I'm actually a little nervous because, well, one, About? I've never I've never done this before, right? Like a podcast. Um, yeah, but you talk in front of live audiences all the time when you teach. True. I just feel like when you and I talk or when it's a private conversation, we just we just talk because we know each other. Um, or right. when I have private conversations with other people, people know me and they know my intention and my humor and I don't have to worry about it. Whereas right. usually when I'm talking to a broader audience about the dance, it's through something like Naked Basics, my blog, where I will write it and then like have somebody else read it. it. Yeah, well, edit it for sure and make sure it's mm-hmm. focused and concentrated, but have somebody else read it and be like, hey, anything that might offend in here. <laughs> and now we're doing a <clears throat> real talk conversation. And, you know, I think just... it'll be good to have an organic kind of conversation. We need that more today. I agree. I agree. So, and that's where this whole thing came from. Um, for those of you listening, uh, Deborah and I have known each other for many years and we have at many events and other places, um, just had great long nights. Yes. Long nights talking usually over a drink or two or three and, (laughs) um, in Vino Veritas. And, uh, uh, yeah, we've just had really rich conversations and this most recently happened at Swingtacular this year where Deborah was on staff and it's here in the Bay area. So we met up on Sunday night, we shared a drink, we started having great conversation. And it was actually a particular topic that we'll get to later in our programming down the line. But uh, it was one topic in particular that we were talking about that we just really felt like it shouldn't just be a conversation between us, and it should be discussed in the broader community. And so it was in that moment where I was like, we should do a podcast and Deborah stuck out her hand and we shook on it. We're like, this is the moment we decided to do a podcast. And we're both passionate about the dance. Um, those right. of you who know us know we're also both very forthcoming and opinionated. And <laughs> we we love talking about the dance, but in a very honest way. Um, yes. And so we wanted to do this podcast to share our own thoughts and opinions. Um, should they resonate with other people? Should they be informative or helpful or instructive? Or just letting other people know that, hey, you're not alone. Like, I, I feel like a lot of people have private conversations about this dance and they're are afraid to speak up. Yeah. They're either afraid to speak mm-hmm. up or they think like their opinion is just them. Like I must be alone in this. And I think in my experience, there's more of us that think alike than don't. Absolutely. And I think there's yeah. so many conversations that happen, you know, in close circles that we should be having more openly that people shouldn't be afraid of that. So we are hoping to not just share our conversations, which we obviously enjoy. We're hoping you enjoy them too. Um, but maybe, you know, this will stimulate some conversations within our community about certain subjects. Which so would be great. That's what we think anyway. And hopefully those of you listening agree before we jump into it, just a couple of other housekeeping items. We are available everywhere now. I have worked over the last couple of weeks to make sure we are available on all your podcast platforms. That includes um, iTunes or Apple podcasts. So if you go to subscribe on iTunes, by the way, you actually need to subscribe in um, Apple podcasts on your mobile device. Um, we are also available in Google podcasts, which is a, a newer app. So if you go into the Google play store, you will probably not find us, but you will find us in Google podcasts. We are available on Spotify. They're trying the podcast thing. We're available on Stitcher, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. We also have a website. You can listen to our podcast on our website if you want to check it out, read about us. We'll have more news and updates available on our website. Um, and of course, there's links to all the podcast areas on our website. We also have a newsletter where we'll let our subscribers know about events and other upcoming news. So you can check that out. We also have a teaser online. If you haven't listened to that yet, we did that, um, I guess last week to kind of prep people. Was it last for the week show. or two weeks ago? I'm losing time. Yeah, it was last week. 
Oh my god. I know. Time flies, Deborah. Time flies. Um, I know. We plan to have guests on this show as well. We actually have one lined up for next week that we think you will enjoy as much as we will enjoy. Uh, we're very excited, but we'll leave that as a surprise for you to figure out next week. You know, got to leave you wanting more. Surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so to kick off our first episode, we're going to talk about really a topic that um, I- I've talked a lot about with other people and I've talked about it with Deborah. And I know that I've talked with a lot of my students about it as well. Um, and it's, it's about finding your place, finding your place in this dance world. I think it's been a struggle for me off and on. Um, I feel like it's continually evolving. And I know my students, especially new people who come into the scene and really are passionate about the dance can sometimes struggle with as well. But I thought it'd be a good way to kind of get to know us and our journeys and our experiences to talk about that. And to kick it off, I wanted to actually pose to you, Deborah, you know, how did you get started with West Coast Swing? And when you got started in West Coast Swing, what were your your expectations and aspirations? Well, I kind of got into West Coast Swing by accident. I uh, had gone to a bar called Denim and Diamonds in New York City. Um, my mom had taken me there, actually. Hmm. And I just wanted to like, hang out and learn something new. And there was lots of line dancing, the country Western. And I was really heavily into country Western music at the time. Um, <clears throat> and as I frequented this place, this place more often, it turned out that I would be there seven days a week. I ended up getting a job there and I, I lived the life of De- denim and diamonds. And um, one evening I had one of my older gentleman friends come up to me and ask me if I swung. And I said, <laughs> dancing you mean he says yes <laughs> i said um yeah east coast and he goes no west coast and i was like oh wait what what is that like i had never heard mm-hmm. um of the dance west coast swing and at first it kind of boggled my mind you know he brought me on the dance floor and started dancing with me and being the train dancer uh that i am he would do you know six counts and then he starts another pattern and i was like wait, wait a minute where's the seven eight right there's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people I have yeah, so yeah. many beginners ask yeah. me like yeah. how do you do Freaking six, me out. six count? Right. And then, then as we're dancing together, I finally put two and two together and I was like, Oh my God, wait a minute. West Coast swing is very similar to East Coast, not full knowing the history of that dance yet of how West Coast came about and all that stuff. Right. And recognizing that East Coast started with two triples and then a rock step. And we also had, there was an eight count, you know, turning, uh, basic. Um, I was like, Oh, okay. So it's like East Coast swing. And I kind of made the transition in my head and then it kind of clicked and I was like, Oh, okay. Got it. Um, but it didn't really like sit with me like, oh, this is something like I really want to do at that point. And then weeks had passed at, uh, Denim and Diamonds. And then, um, one of my friends that I worked with at Dance Manhattan, cause I taught jazz to West Coast swing dancers at da- Dance Manhattan. Very interesting story. That's another <laughs> story. We'll get to that in another time. Um, so I, this gentleman friend came up to me, he goes, Hey, I noticed that the past couple of weeks, like you've been West Coasting out on, on the on the uh, country dance floor when they would have open free dance or they'd call out a West Coast swing. He says there's this place in downtown Manhattan called North River Bar. Well, that's where that's all they do is is West Coast swing. And I was like, really? <clears throat> Tell me what it is. It's Tuesday nights. And I was like, oh, all right, great. Um, and then like t- look, a couple of weeks had passed. I hadn't had time to go. So then. I finally end up going by myself and I, I walk in, I pay the, I think it was $5 at the time. I'm not sure. I pay the, now mind you, it's a biker bar at most of the week during Tuesday night. It's a West coast swing place. So it's a nice little dive bar. It's real fun. Um, and I sit at the bar and I see all these people dancing and I'm like, Oh my God, this is, what is this? This is so amazing. And of course me being outgoing, <clears throat> I'm like, I don't care. I'll ask. I'll ask somebody to dance and I see all these, I, of course I look at all the great dancers cause I'm a trained dancer. So I see Hazel and I see John Festa and Angel and just all these like, you know, amazing dancers. And, uh, so I walk up to John Festa. I'm like, hi, would you like to dance? He goes, nope. And I was like, oh, and he's, I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> but other people would ask me to social dance and I would, I would dance and then, and then it ended up, I would be going weekly, 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 weekly to, de- to, uh, North River Bar. It, and it would be like, it was like a drug. I couldn't get enough of it. And then like six months into it, now, now I start meeting all the top professionals in West Coast Swing. And now, 
everybody knows me at Dance Manhattan and I become very close friends um, with John Festa and John Lindo and Angel. And I learned so much from them in the dance. And then, you know, things snowball. I find a partner, Steve Nearon, and then from there I go to Robert Cordoba and then things just kind of snowballed and boom, I'm, I'm in the West Coast Swing dance community. When you started, um, you know, and you, you found a dance that you liked, did you ever think, oh, I'm going to be a dance professional or were you just excited to be a part of the community? Like at what point did you say, I want to do, you know, I want to do a routine and I want to, you know, move up or move up, if not competitively, then at least in like social status or, or take this on as a professional? You know, when I came into the swing community, that didn't even cross my mind. What, what, how it happened was I did like two step across America with uh, a gentleman named Joe Giovinazzi. Um, <clears throat> and then he had asked me to, you know, to do a, a swing partnership, like do a routine for a, for an event called American Swing Dance Championships. And I was like, wait, you want to do West Coast routine? And, and that kind of like snowballed from there. Like then I, then I had Steve Nearon after that and then, and then Robert Cordova. I, I never came in and thinking like, oh, I want this to be my profession. I was always a dancer and then I went to school for medicine and then I, you know, dropped out of med school because I was disenchanted. And I was like, I was basically like on like a three year, four year life hiatus, like figuring out what I was doing. I was waitressing and teaching dance at Dance Manhattan and working at Denim and Diamonds and social dancing at, you know, North River Bar. I was kind of like a, I was like a gypsy. I really didn't have a direction at the time. Mm-hmm. It kind of fell into my lap and all things like the universe took care of me. Yeah. You know, as you found success competing, mm-hmm. how did that change your position in the community? I mean, first of all, you became a desired partner, right? You had people approaching you to, to mm-hmm. like Steve and then Robert. Um, but I'm wondering how you felt kind of assimilating into that West Coast swing world. Did you have any challenges or was it just like you were, because you were already a trained dancer, you just instantly found success and, and acceptance in the community? Um, I, I think I had, I, I was a little bit of both. There were certain parts of, of the journey where it was like I was immediately accepted and other parts of the journey um, where it wasn't. Uh, so when I first came in to the swing community, I had like competing. I already had friends in the swing dance community because of me going to North River Bar. Mm-hmm. So it was easier for me to assimilate into the community because I was already part of a group, right? so to speak, who this was a, who nurtured me and all that stuff. It was like my village is huge, and this was part of the start of my village that was starting to grow. Right. Right. And then, and then I found on the flip side when I started dancing um, with Steven and then with Robert and, and doing, you know, partner dancing frequently and becoming very successful – quickly, um, then I recognized other challenges of, um, people questioning, uh, me moving up quickly in the swing community because I was Robert Cordoba's dance partner, or did I actually move up quickly in the swing community because I was a trained, talented dancer. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, and I, and I think, uh, they go hand in hand. I was very lucky as a trained dancer to have someone who was already established in the community to help me move quickly right because i if i think if i had if it were just me and i had taken someone who was unknown and tried to it would have taken me longer to get where i was at that time sure and where i'm at now so i have lots of people to thank so when you started competing with robert mm-hmm. and you did move up the ranks at what point did you feel like or i mean did you ever feel like you had arrived yeah, I think, I think the year that, Ro- so Robert and I first came on, on the scene, um, in the superstar division, um, at the U.S. Open, um, which was a division that was made for all the past classic and showcase champions to put them in a separate category. And, and then classic and showcase would be people that were like trying to come up and stuff like that at that, just that year. So. Basically, I came into the community. There was a buzz about me because, you know, I danced with Steven and then I'm friends with, you know, you know, 
people in New York like John Fest and all that stuff. And then I become partners with Robert Cordoba and then, you know, word travels fast and, and all that stuff. So there's the pressure of that. Oh, everybody knows who she is. Right. And so then you have to get on the US Open dance floor with a already accomplished three time US Open swing champion. You got to prove yourself that you belong. And, and, uh, so that was a lot of pressure. So I don't feel like, and, and that performance wasn't the most amazing performance, but it was definitely a performance that got me noticed. Right. People were like, Oh, who's that girl? I don't feel like I arrived then, but then the following year, Robin and I, um, I decided that he and I should compete in strictly swing because I felt like we did, we didn't build a partnership together. It was like he already had a routine choreograph that he was supposed to dance with someone else. That, that partnership fell through. He calls me to dance and now I learn a routine that really wasn't choreographed for me. Um, and I also, being that I had been in swing for several years now before that, I'm from the belief of you become really a good partnership if you have really good social dance skills together on the dance floor and with others. So I had asked Robert that following year after the first year we competed um, in Superstars, I said to him, I think we should do Strictly Swing for a year and just like make a name for ourselves that. And we did. We did Strictly Swing for a year. We won NASDI doing it, which is why they changed the NASDI rules. Strictly Swing points are now half and not full, like Classic and Showcase. Um, <clears throat> so that started to make me feel like, oh, now I, now I got noticed, not because I was dancing with Robert, but because now I'm, I'm doing Strictly Swing with Robert. Strictly Swing is a completely different skill set than doing a routine. Right. Right. So I get to show more of myself. Um, and, that, and then, like, things start to happen. Like, you become more recognized as a couple, and you get more jobs, and... Um, all that stuff. It was still hard to be there, though. Why is that? Um, I think when you're in a position like that, uh, and and you're not um, as wise as you are now, um, sometimes it's hard for you to deal with uh, people pulling at you all the time and and always having to be on and um, you know trying to like keep it together and all that stuff. It was a lot of pressure and I, I wasn't, I wasn't amazing at it in the beginning. Honestly, I've, you know, I've mastered it now. Uh, uh, last, I would say last, um, 10 years. And I think everyone, you know, goes through that. So it, when you finally find your place in the community, whatever that place may be, I think that's when you can actually be the person that you want to be because everyone allows you to be, or you make it allowable. Right. Yeah. So when you said people were um, pulling at you and you were facing this challenge, what did you feel like the demands were on you? I felt like sometimes uh, people just wanted my attention, not because uh, that they really wanted to actually know about me, but they wanted my attention because I was someone in the community. Mm -hmm. um, and that and that's hard to, to deal with because I let, you know, Connecting with people is really important, but you can't when it's when we're not on the same page, right? Right? And you know you ha you have to you got to keep a face. A prof you have to be professional, and you have to you have to you know keep a face on. And and I, I think it's hard too that people don't recognize that although we're someone in the dance community, like like high position or stature, so to speak, we're still human too. And sometimes we have bad days, and we're not always perfect. And, uh, we get emotional, you know, we're, we're human just like everyone else. So it was a struggle. I yeah. think I got it down to a science now though. I think I got this. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You know? Um, yeah. yeah, it's, I definitely feel that challenge of, I still feel it of having to be on. And, mm -hmm. um, part of that challenge is recognizing that, you know, you as a dance professional are your brand. Right. Correct. Like if people, what people think of you is <clears throat> going to directly affect whether they want to study with you or follow right. you or talk about you, whatever. Right. And, um, and yeah, I've definitely, uh, I've had my own lows, uh, as recent as a couple of years ago. And yeah, we're just my like non dance life angst just spilled over. And, um, it happens. It was challenging though. Um, yeah. And, but even before that, <clears throat> once I personally started, um, like being somebody quote unquote in the scene, um, mm -hmm. 
Because I started, I was not a trained dancer. I came into this dance from Lindy and Ballroom. And I learned, I studied my basics. Um, I learned my basics with Helen Taco. Um, oh, you were trained. Hold on. You were trained. You trained in Lindy and Ballroom. That's true. Yeah. Just not May as not extensively trained, trained right. as you were. Right, 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 right. Um, so exactly. Helen and I met in college and we met through <laughs> Lindy. And then I moved to DC a few months later and we saw um, Donna Roselle was teaching at K2 in College Park. And oh, we were like, Donna. West Coast Wing, I know. Um, I love I her. <laughs> yeah, me um, too. And uh, yeah, she was teaching there. And um, I had had some exposure to West Coast Wing. My first exposure to West Coast Wing was Boston Tea Party. And I think two, spring of 2000, I had just started. That's a good one. I just started dancing Lindy. So I knew, I knew zero West Coast Wing and I knew like three words of Lindy. <laughs> and <laughs> friends of mine dragged me to this event. Well, they didn't they drag me. They were like, come on, we're sharks. going. Yeah. And I was just like, all right, yeah. let's go. Let's see what happens. And I didn't do a lot of dancing, but I was blown away. I remember seeing you. I remember seeing like Jeannie Tucker and John Festa and Blake Hobby mm-hmm. and um, anyway, all these amazing dancers. dancers. Yes. Um, yes. And so I'd wanted to learn it. Um, and actually at the time, my, my Lindy teacher was Greg Avakian, and, um, who had crossed over from West Coast to Lindy. Sure. And I said to Greg, I'm like, hey, can you teach me West Coast? And I was in Philly at the time. He's like, I could teach you, but I'd just pretty much be taking your money because there's not really, there's, there weren't really a lot of places to dance it. So it wasn't until after you college. Know that, that, uh, let me interrupt you for a second. Yeah. Because this is really important for you to understand. So Greg Avakian was the first person I drew in Jack and Jill, advanced Jack and Jill at American Swing Dance Championships, the first year that I went to compete there. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yes. <laughs> so I had to put that in there because Greg Avakian is also part of my journey. So keep going. Didn't yeah, no, that's fine. Um, and, and then I also found out too that Greg studied under Ken Roselle. So when yes. I was in DC and met Ken, he was like, I know Greg. Um, and I bumped into Greg at Michigan Classic this year after like not seeing him for probably 15 years, which was amazing. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, so moved to DC. Helen and I started taking um, West Coast Swing with Donna, and we started getting into this world. Now I was just out of college, and Helen was still in college. Um, and we enter this West Coast Swing scene in DC, and there are maybe eight people under the age of. 30 in the whole right, community. Right. Um, and then like five in their thirties and then the rest are like 40, 50 plus. Right. Right. Um, and so we were like the, the hot young couple on the scene. Not that I was hot physically, but like, you know, <laughs> new talent, fresh meat. It was all good. Um, but uh, it was actually Ken Roselle who gave me my first opportunity to DJ because I told him I was interested yeah. and I really like music. And mm-hmm. he was the one who kind of mentored me and gave me that opportunity. And then I got, hired by Frank G who ran Boogie and Bethesda. And I became like the weekly DJ. And I think it was a few months after that, that Mike Marcotte, um, who was a Lindy instructor at Glen Echo asked Helen and I to teach West coast there. They wanted to bring it. So right. I say that because like my evolution was just kind of, I don't know, it was just in the scene and I was told to compete. So I competed and I had fun and I, I had early success too. Like I spent a year in novice, right. a year in intermediate. Um, right. And I moved up quickly and I moved into a position where now I was teaching and I didn't really have a mentor who told me like, this is how this is, these are the challenges you're going to face or you'll need to figure out your place or you'll need to figure out your brand or whatever it is. And I realized while being a quote unquote dance professional at the time, uh, a DJ and a teacher that like one, I felt like I always had to go out. Like I had to go out and support the yeah. community and be seen. Sure. Uh-huh. And two, I had to, as you said, be on all the time. Right. And mm-hmm. so even a couple of years into my journey, I realized like this, this is not always as much fun. You know, like I love no. the dance. I love the music. I love hanging out with people, but it was mm-hmm. tiring. And there were nights where I went out because I felt like I had to, not because right. I wanted to. Yeah. And that makes it difficult. Yeah. And, and there's still times today where I, I feel that, where I feel like I got to go. And not only do I have to go, I have, I have to work the room, right? I was told like, you have to work the room and dance with people. And, and it's not that I don't want to dance with these people. It's just different when it's an obligation mm-hmm. and not just because you want to. 
And I had right. that, um, I grew up, my, uh, one of my older sisters is an artist and because of her, <laughs> I ended up taking art classes too. And I did a portfolio for college. Like I did visual art, like mostly, um, drawing, but some painting too. And, uh, there was a point where my, my art teacher was like, you know, you could really like major in art, you know, it's just, you, you have the skill, you work really hard at it. Um, right. and the thing was, I was so passionate about it that I never wanted it to be my career. Mm. Like so I was afraid I, that I would feel that, that yeah, even then I was right. like, if I, if, if I had to do this, I don't think it would be as much fun. And I think part of that came from when I stopped taking piano lessons and suddenly I like wanted to play all the time because I didn't have to practice. Um, but I often think about that because I look at West Coast Swing a lot of times in the same way where, I mean, right now it's predominantly what I do, which was never mm -hmm. the plan for me, which is why I asked mm -hmm. you, like, did you ever aspire to be a professional? Because I don't think this was ever the plan for me to be a full-time professional because I was always afraid that I wouldn't enjoy it as much as if I had something else and this was just for fun. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to understand, though, that there aren't many people who are lucky to have a job that they're passionate about. Um so I think sometimes people make the mistake of choosing a profession because it will give them more income and then they become miserable as opposed to choosing a profession that they're really passionate about that you might take a pay cut at or not, um, but you're actually doing something that you love. So even, even though there are times when I'm like, I feel like I need to be on and all those things, I still love my job. Sure. Of course. Right. Right. Sure. But I mean, something has to make it worth it, right? <laughs> like, right. If you didn't love it and you had to do all this, it would be that much harder. Yeah, because you give so much of yourself doing this. You're not just like, you're not just like a, let me just use a school teacher for an example. Like a school teacher is really someone who empowers people, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but they don't really get to interact with their students much, except, you know, when they're up there teaching their students or maybe at a teacher parent um, conference. So I think it kind of takes away the, the, um, I think it's important to have connection with people. And we as instructors, we hang out with our students and spectators and, and, and we, we connect and we, you know, um, so that's a part important aspect of it. So sometimes it does get much because people take advantage of the fact that we do that, that we're so accessible. But I think some people take advantage of that, but it's a good part of our job that we are accessible for each other. For sure. Yeah. So I want to ask you, you know, you said like, okay, last whatever, 10 years, you've mastered that balance. Um, mm -hmm. How much of that has been because you feel like you found your place and how much of it is like <laughs> skills that you've learned or acquired along the way? Oh, well, God, I think it's both. Like you, you can't have one um, without the other. I feel like, so I had my place when I was dancing with Robert. But it was important to me to find my place without a partner, myself as a um, very knowledgeable, um, successful woman working in this industry by herself. So I think I found myself twice. I found myself with Robert as a, in a dance partnership and a top professional, and then I found myself just me. Um, and I think it's important to be just me. Mm -hmm. I think, I think. When you are just you, then when you do end up having a partnership, whether it's a professional partnership or a romantic partnership with anyone, then that partnership becomes really good because both of you are comfortable with who you are, right? Right. And the latter journey of finding your place uh, yes. on your own, mm -hmm. did you have the realization that you wanted to be known for yourself while you were still with Robert or was that after your partnership ended? Oh no, I wanted to be known for myself while I was with Robert, but it was a struggle. It was hard to, um, get acknowledged. Even like when he and I would be teaching, um, in class together, there would be, uh, you know, a, a male asking about a female, what females do or a female asking a female question. And they would both direct that question to Robert, hmm. even though it was about the follower. Um, and I would have to like say, Oh, hold on. You know, <laughs> I, uh, let, why don't you let me answer that since I do the follow? Yeah. Um, so it's a struggle because, you know, when you stand up for yourself as a female, you're there, you know, they, they call you certain names, right? Sure. Because you're strong and they don't see it as a positive when it should be 
we should, you know, we should all empower each other. I mean, so that was a struggle, um, for me. But now that I'm by myself, I'm known by myself, but it's still a struggle to work as a female, professional female. Yes. By yourself. Yeah. And that, for those listening, was actually the topic that we got in depth on that led to this podcast. That's right. About That's correct. And we will at some point, um, hopefully with a guest. Divulge into that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Women professionals. Um, so, I'm curious then, did you ever feel, you know, you said you found your place with Robert and you struggled Mm -hmm. to find your place kind of on your own while with Robert. Did you, Mm -hmm. was it not until you were on your own that you finally felt like you found your, your voice or your place as a, as a solo person? Uh, Well, maybe as a solo, maybe teaching by myself, but I think people started to recognize me without Robert as far as like, you know, when they would watch me in a Strictly Swing or a Jack and Jill, they'd recognize, oh, she's kind of got some skills over there. Yeah. Right? So I got recognized um, that way. Uh, but I do feel I do feel more of myself now because, uh, you know, I have, I have my own teaching style that when I was with Robert, we developed a teaching style together. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and I needed more me to be in that teaching style, and I can only do that if I go out on my own. Right. Yeah. And that, that is, was important for me. That is really interesting. Um, just making the observation that because of the <clears throat> social nature of our dance, you know, mm-hmm. with Jack and Jill's and Strictly's being so prominent where you're not dancing with your, you know, routine partner, right. that it does afford you a lot of opportunities to shine as an individual. And I don't mean to like say within the a partner dance, but like Correct. the fact that I understand. people can see how great you are with other people. They can see sure. your greatness. Of course. Irrespective of, it wasn't just you and Robert. Right. right? Um, and I'll tell you, I remember, and this goes back even to, to Boston tea party way back when, like I remember watching you dance with somebody else. And granted, I'm also, I came in it with fresh eyes. So I didn't even know you had a partner. Right. right? I didn't know how that worked. Um, mm-hmm. You didn't even know who I was. No. I didn't. I right. just heard the name. Exactly. And it was exactly. pronounced differently back then because people were mispronouncing it. <laughs> and, um, they got it right after a fashion. Like, after right. a while. But, it's uh, okay. They got it right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I saw you and I was like, that woman is amazing. Right. Um, so I, I do feel like that's advantageous, but I can also see how it would be hard when your identity, because so much of your, your time being seen, is with somebody else by your yes. side. Um, yeah, I can see how that's a struggle. Did you feel like, I kind of want to ask like in terms of the balance of partnership, but I, I more in terms of your place in the partnership mm-hmm. of, did you feel like um, you ever were successful in achieving the same status within that partnership like you were talking about how people would ask questions in class addressing you know female Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. follower related things and Mm -hmm. they would direct them at robert did you ever feel Mm -hmm. like there was a point where you finally were on equal footing in that regard yeah i I do that think that that finally happened like you have to remember that robert and i were in a dance partnership for 15 years it's a long time Mm -hmm. right so sure i would say that uh, that further like you know maybe six years into the dance partnership um, I was getting more, I don't want to say like respect, but acknowledged. Sure. Right. Recognition. Recognition is important. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm curious because very few people will get in their lifetimes to say that they won a routine division at the U S open. Right. And you have done it several times. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious if that changed your position or your perspective or your aspirations in any way, having had that kind of success? Um, I think what I recognized was that I didn't need too many wins to feel like I've made it in that realm of competition. Um, so for me, you know, Four U.S. Open titles, doing two in classic, two in sophisticated, and then if you can include my Jack and Jill with John Lindo five, um, to me that was enough. Um, and also, it was also a premonition at the time that I knew that my dance partnership was ending with Robert. How so? 
um, we just, we just were, were, we were, we were different directions and, and you have to remember, you know, we were also romantically involved. So that puts another, so it just was difficult. It was, it was, it was amazing how long we lasted being a dance partnership and romantically involved. It's very hard to juggle that. It's not easy. And the people that were able to keep it together, I applaud them because it's so hard. It's hard. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're, not only is your business in the public eye, but so is your personal life. Sure. Yeah. So it's a lot. So uh, I'm thinking of your journey. You started at Denim and Diamonds. You know, mm-hmm. that's where you're working. You had left medical mm-hmm. school. You start mm-hmm. competing in West Coast Swing. At what point does it kind of dawn on you? Like, I'm a dance, I'm a West Coast Swing professional. Or like, have that conscious choice of like, yes, I'm going to do this. Well, I, like I said, I kind of like had no choice. I didn't explain that last part. <laughs> Cause, so what happened was when I finally agreed to dance with Robert, right? I go out to California to, uh, dance at Boogie by the Bay for my last time with Steve Neeran, who was my partner at the time. And then from Boogie by the Bay, I go down to LA and which is, you know, as we all know, Boogie by the Bay is the first weekend of October. Um, we drive down to LA and I stay in LA with, with him, uh, and practice, uh, till the U S open, you know, uh, and all that stuff. And then U S opens over and we have a job booked and that was it. I never went home. I never unpacked. I ended up, so everything like, like at, at that time, you know, Robert and I weren't even like dating. We were just a dance partnership. I had a boyfriend in New York who called me up and broke up with me because he knew like he had a premonition. You're not coming back. You're going to be doing this as your job. So it was kind of like, there was no moment. I didn't have a a second to really think about it. It just like happened, Mm -hmm. blinked and boom, here it is. No time to assimilate into the community. I was just, I was thrown into it. Yeah. Everything on the road, boom, 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 competing, yada, yada, all that. Get your act together, Deborah. Let's go. Chop, chop. <laughs> no time. Yeah. <laughs> like a New York minute. Right. So I fit right in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Um, that's about right. So I'm curious then, reflecting on your journey, what were some of the pivotal or crucial moments for finding your place in the community? You know, uh, I would imagine um, certainly the partnership ending and you being on your own would be one moment um, mm-hmm. where you had to like be on your own and, and sell that brand and continue working. Um, were there others, were there particular moments you can think of or um, people who influenced you in helping you find your place? Oh yeah. I, I have to mention one specific person. Um, so when I, when I left Robert as a dance partnership and romantically, I, drove out to Texas and and lived there for, for two years. Um, and lots of friends helped me in that aspect um, as well. Uh, and while I was there, I was like, like, what am I going to do? Like I, I just, I left my partnership um, full well knowing that we're in a, in a community that's male dominated. And I haven't seen many women be successful singly on their own. They've tried. I've seen them do it. And the only one that I saw successful at the time was Marianne Nunez. She was doing it, but not as extensively um, as I was. So anyway, it dawned on me. I was like, well, what am I going to do? Like, you know, I don't have a website. I don't have this. I don't have that. Um, So I called up Grace Kilalea, who many of you know her as a public speaker, but if you are in the swing community, you know, from the beginning, we've known her forever. She's danced with us and she's, she, you know, used to have a really huge position. I think at Comcast, if I remember correctly, um, she was a savvy businesswoman, a, a great MC, um, at, uh, swing dance events and, and, and independent. Mm-hmm. So I looked to her, I called her up and she gave me some really, uh, good advice to help me like get things going for myself. And then I, I would, I would make it so I would, I would go to a lot of events, uh, you know, on my own dime. I'd make it work to make myself seen by myself and I'd social dance with people. And then those event directors would see me and then they'd go, oh, maybe we should hire her. And basically that's how it happened. It's like, and you know, still to this day, I have to do that. It's not easy getting hired. I'm just going to tell you that as a single female, it doesn't matter that I'm Deborah Seke, just an FYI. 
<laughs> Side note, um, or a warning, Side one note. or the other. <laughs> Disclaimer. Um, so Grace really helped me. She really helped me. Yeah. Um, get 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 there, and and then and then I would. You know, it's so funny now that I think about it. Finding my place on my own, so to speak. I, I reached out to very successful women. I didn't reach out to any male at the time to ask them how until later. I reached out to Grace. I reached out to Chair mm-hmm. Peden, who was also a very successful businesswoman. She owned a business for many, many years and then ran a really successful swing dance event, America's Classic. And then also Teddy Kern, who ran Dance Manhattan. Yeah. She was also a huge influencer for me. Wow. And now I'm realizing, wow, you're making me realize so many things. So <laughs> mostly strong, independent women. Yeah. That yeah. helped me do this. Teddy was, um, cause I had the privilege of working for Teddy at Dance Manhattan when I was there for two years teaching. And, she's amazing. Um, she is. She's an extraordinary woman. And yes. not only is she so accomplished in multiple dance forms, like yes. in New York, but, um, everywhere. She actually gave me, one of the most important pieces of advice I had, and it kind of gets back to what we were talking about, about being on right. where I moved to New York. Um, I was in graduate school at the time. And then I, I got hired at dance Manhattan. Um, and after a couple of months, she said, Hey, can I talk to you and brought me into her office? I said, sure. What's up? She said, you're doing great here. Students love your classes. That's all good. She said, but I also keep a pulse on our staff and what the word is on the street about them. And she said, right. you know, mm-hmm. you're in a community with, at the time, the other dominant male leads were, uh, Steve Nearon was still around, um, John Festa, John Lindo, um, Jason, mm-hmm. rest his mm-hmm. soul, Jason Colosino, um, mm-hmm. and Joe Palmer. Um, so predominantly gay men who were very talented. Um, <laughs> but uh, she said, the word on the street is about you. <laughs> it's the same word that they use about them, which is aloof. You come across as aloof. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of it was me kind of going in and I just kind of go to my place in the room and, you know, set up and whatnot. And the piece of advice she gave me that I've actually now been passing on to the leaders in the community that mm-hmm. I'm training or working with mm-hmm. is you don't have to dance with them. You don't have to have like an hour long conversation with them. Just acknowledge them engage and acknowledge yes. just say hi if you see yes. somebody don't ignore them say hi right and when i think right. about the i i often think about jordan and tatiana because um you know they for me first of all starting out they were just they were brand always saying new. hello but they always say hello but yeah they always say name. hi and you walk mm-hmm. away you walk away and you're like oh my god mm-hmm. jordan just said hi to me like yeah, you remembered yeah, sure. me. that's awesome right. um so anyway teddy holds a special place in my heart because she gave me that advice and she was just good at, I guess, mentoring. Zeroing in on what you need. Yeah. Yeah. She was brilliant. The best. She, actually, she gave me my, she gave me my job at Dance Manhattan and how it happened was I knew Tom Cochran who was teaching jazz to West Coast swing dancers at Dance Manhattan from Denim and Diamonds and Tom Cochran and I were friends and he knew that I was a trained dancer and he had to leave Dance Manhattan for what I forget. He got a job for doing something else. And I had to take over his position, but I had to go on an interview. And I was like, oh, that's fine. Um, so I go on an interview and I sit down to, I swear to God, Eric, we, we had maybe like, we exchanged maybe like 10 words and she's like, you're hired. <laughs> and I was like, wait, don't you want to see my resume? And she goes, nope. I could tell yeah. just the type. And I was like, oh my God. And I'm very successful at Dance Manhattan. That's like another place that I hold a special place in my heart. And Teddy's an amazing woman. Yeah. She really, she mentors a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Teddy. Mm-hmm. She's very insightful. Yeah. Like she has like a sixth sense about people. Yeah, she does. It's I dig her. Awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, looking back at the whole journey and how you've had to find your place. Um, mm-hmm. I'm wondering, what have you learned? Um, or is there anything you would do differently looking back? Anything you wish you knew when you were struggling? Oh, God. <laughs> so we're asking hard. the tough questions, Deborah. <laughs> well, this is a really deep, uh, it's a deep question. You know, when I got into the swing community, I was in my early 20s. Um, but when I got into it, like everyone's starting to know me, I was like 27. And even though I was a very mature 
27 year old. I was also very like heartbroken, uh, 27 year old. Um, so I had like a really tough, tough exterior, soft on the inside, but mm-hmm. really hard, you know, on the outside. So it took me a while to figure out like what that was all about. And, um, I think maybe I wish I could have found that part about me because I love who I am now and how I feel about myself and how I project myself, um, to others, you know, not that I wasn't a loving person then, but I was like that hard kind of like, I'm different now. And I like both, both of those Debra's. I couldn't be the Debra that I am without either of them, but maybe that part of me, I would have liked to have been, um, a little bit more, you know, open and softer and all that stuff. But you know, you live and you learn. Yeah. It's been my experience that, um, this goes back to what you said earlier. It's so much easier to find, like once you find, there's a mixing between finding your place and being who you are. And I think, you know, maybe you find your place and then you realize who you are, or maybe you realize who you are and then you can find your place. And there's a a level of acceptance that I often talk with my friends. Like once we hit our thirties, yeah, I feel like people in their thirties, you start to care less about what other people think and you focus more on your own needs and Mm -hmm. wants and figuring that, that out. Um, So that you could be a better person to others too. Yes. And that starts with, with accepting yourself. Sure, searching from within for sure. You don't have to love yourself a hundred percent, but like you gotta accept you got, yourself. Yeah, you gotta. And um, I found that that's been, for me, part of my own journey because I've I've struggled um, at times as a competitor, as a teacher. Um, like as a teacher, there's that challenge you said of like having to be on all the time or finding work. Mm-hmm. Um, as a competitor, I've had ups and downs in my competitive experience. I actually have had um, many moments where I was just going to walk away from this dance, um, at least in any meaningful way, where I would just be like, you know, I'm just not, I'm not going to do any of that work anymore. I'm just going to go out social dancing whenever I feel like it, but I want to focus my life on other things. And actually, moving out here to California eight years ago from the East Coast was one of those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and Yet it was one of those times where, you know, the universe said no, <laughs> like you're not going right. to walk away because Yenny, right. Yenny not Satiwan, letting you. Right. Yenny yep. came and said, hey, do you want to do a routine? That was like a month after I moved here. And I was like, yeah, well, like, I don't say no I to, to get Yenny. Away from this. Right. right. <laughs> um, yeah, and then like totally. a month and a half later, Sean McKeever, who she had been teaching with at the warehouse, left. And she was like, do you want to teach? And now all of a sudden, like two months after I moved, I'm back to teaching on Tuesday nights, like the exact same right. schedule. It was crazy, but, um, but there have been times, um, and actually moving to New York because my first few years learning West Coast swing, I, I was, I was a mess. I was struggling professionally. It was after college and after nine 11 and the economy sucked and I was having a hard time finding work and I didn't feel purpose and I didn't feel good about myself. I was probably depressed at that time and very selfish. Um, Yeah. And I think I, I sometimes see my, students go through the same thing where we rely on because we don't feel the validation in ourselves or whatever else whatever other reason there is social pressure whatever we seek validation from the The dance dance world yeah and particularly competition sure and i know that was true for me like when i wasn't you know especially when you have a quick rise like i won in novice right away and i got to intermediate and then like i remember having a crappy competition and intermediate and i was like all pissed about it it's like just a competition but in you know in that moment like that was a reflection on me and so Mm -hmm. i just was aware enough of that struggle in myself that when i moved to new york and started grad school i was like i'm not gonna dance like i need to step away from this i'm burnt out it's not good for me i'm not in a good place and grad school i want to take seriously and i want to really make the most of and i I think I went social dancing like once every Couple six months. or eight weeks. Yeah. Oh, that's um, good. <laughs> that's good. I mean, I was that's in New good. York, so it was a great scene. Yeah. Um, and I was out enough that when when Autumn Bear left Dance Manhattan, my name came mm-hmm. up as a potential replacement. Right. Um, so again, the universe kind of brought me back after a year, but it, yeah. it gave me that year to to find something else to nourish my soul and. I'm, I'm an academic, like I love learning and I love being stimulated. So Mm -hmm. grad school was like totally rejuvenating for my soul. I get it. Totally. But there have been a couple of times where I'm just like, I'm, 
I can't find my place or I try to find my place and I'm, I'm losing more than I'm winning, you know, mm-hmm. I'm giving up more than I'm gaining. And yeah. I think that's a struggle. And I see my students go through this, especially the ones who rise quickly, um, mm-hmm. but also just ones who want to be social dancers and not competitors. And they're like, how do I fit into a community that's so competition? Competitive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or hierarchy driven. And um, mm-hmm. I think it's really hard to do that, especially if you don't know yourself very well. I think if you Correct. know yourself, it's easier to, easier to navigate. Yes. And not take yeah. all of this so seriously. Um, right. Not to say that our passion isn't serious, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, you know, we should be doing this for fun. Right. It should be enriching our souls, not depleting right. them. Especially if it's not your profession. Right. Um, I'm wondering if you have any advice, because I feel like there are a lot of people, and let me know if you agree or disagree with this, but I feel like in the last, especially in the last, I don't know, five, six years, I feel like I've seen more people who come into the scene um, and A, expect to move up very quickly, but also Mm -hmm. B, really do aspire to be dance professionals, like to Mm -hmm. be champions, um, Mm -hmm. more than I feel like I used to see. And maybe that's because I, I keep stepping into the, the like convention scene and out of it. But I feel like there are a lot of people who really aspire to be professionals. And I'm wondering, as somebody who had the fortune and privilege to sort of just become a professional very quickly, kind of just by falling mm-hmm. into it, mm-hmm. do you have any advice or insight that you would offer to people who do want to make this some kind of career, if not you know, semi-professional, actually professional. Well, I think, well, first we have to think about like, why do you want to make this a career? I know that there are lots of people that want to make this a career because they feel like they'll have stat, like it validates them as a person, like they'll have status and, you know, they'll be a dance professional. And I think if we, if we look back at most of the pros that are in the swing community now, or that are still here, like two generations that we kind of like, we first went into it because we loved it and it just so happened to become our profession. So I would say, keep enjoying the dance, keep working on the craft, like keep learning. And the better you become at something, eventually that will be the natural progression. It's like when I say to people, you know, you really, they always say, well, I want to get into advanced. And I was like, hold on, let's change the intent. How about I want to be a better dancer. And then that will eventually get you into advanced. So your objective is all wrong. You're approaching it from the wrong right. uh, angle. So I think changing that will help them become a professional or better professionals. You know, we do have a lot of um, pros and quotes that um, kind of like, you know, win a couple competitions and now they're teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but And I'm not mad about it because here's, it does one of two things. Usually those people that won a couple of competitions and now they're teaching, they're teaching in their local community. So that means great. They're bringing the dance to the masses, right? Right. But two, it's also job security for me because they need me to teach him how to teach them better. Right. And, and so on and so forth. So, um, so we need, we, we need that balance. We have to have all of those aspects. Does it get frustrating a little bit when you have people out there? you know, who are teaching ridiculous things. Sure. Yeah. Um, but then, but then, but then I like, I put, I put my hands together like the evil villain and rub them back and forth. and like, Oh my God, now I get to fix this. This is so exciting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Job so, security. Yes, exactly. So I don't get, you know, I get upset about it sometimes. And then, and then I put, and then I check myself. Right. I put things back into perspective and be like, Hey, Deborah, knock it off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I check myself a lot these days. <laughs> I think it's important to keep ourselves in check. Yeah, absolutely. Since you mentioned it, you know, this changing landscape of professionals, Mm -hmm. have you had to kind of shift your position in the landscape? Or, I mean, I feel like you have a very clear and defined brand that no matter who comes up, of all the people I've seen come up in the ranks, they're not going to challenge you. Like you, you are always going to be Deborah and nobody's going to match that. And your, your value is always evident. Um, but I've also seen, other professionals who, you know, were at the top of the heap who no longer are. 
um, you know, who didn't continue to sustain their brand and people, you know, they wanted the new fresh, shiny champion. So I'm wondering I think, yeah, how I've you've seen. kind of positioned yourself and sustained your, your place. Okay. So first we have to recognize that, um, the people that like that said, you know, that were, they were up there and now they're not up there anymore. I think part of the problem is, is that one, they didn't know what their brand was at the moment. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, and nor did they do what they needed to do to solidify their brand, but still move with the times. So, um, to me, West Coast Swing is still West Coast Swing, but the dance is, has evolved because of the music that we dance to. Sure. And my dancing has moved with that too. I don't look the same now that I did 10 years ago. So I think part of it was me recognizing that I, I always have to stay on top of my game. And I always have to keep learning. And when, and when you, when you think you don't have to learn anything anymore, that's when you start to trickle down. There's always something to learn. Yeah. So that's how I was able to solidify my brand, stay my brand. My brand, I feel like my brand is like, um, like this is who I am and that's it. That's my brand. Right. <laughs> Authenticity. Imagine yes. that. Yeah. That's my brand. Yeah. I don't have no catchphrase, no, no, you know, specific moves. I have my split, but that's it. But I'm saying like, <laughs> this is who I am and that's it. Unapologetic. Right. Which sometimes works in my favor and sometimes it doesn't. However, I'd rather be my authentic self than not. Right. And they say, yes. if you're trying to appeal to everyone, you're appealing to no appealing one. Appealing to no one. Correct. Right. You're going to be bland. I really like what right. you said about um, continuing to learn. Mm -hmm. And I would add to that in addition to continuing to learn is also learning about yourself and what, what your own strengths are. Like, I think a lot of people aspire to be like other people. And I think that's good in the extent that, um, imitation, an yeah, and imitation, you can learn a lot by imitating others. Sure. Um, but I know for me, what has helped me a lot is to recognize my own strength in my own area. And I've talked to you about this before, but you know, it dawned on me several years ago that what I love most and where I think I can add the most value um, in this community is like intellectually, right? Mm -hmm. um, never thought I would do a podcast, but hey, look, that added to it too. But of like course. through doing a blog or through teaching, I really love sure. teaching or through building local community like mm -hmm. and, and thinking about it. You do a great job. Um, thank you. Um, You're welcome. But that is how I kind of found my place. I was like, what am I good at? And what do I really love doing? You know, mm -hmm. to your point, it, it helps to know yourself. So you aren't mm -hmm. as influenced by other pressures, right? So you can just be like, who am I? What am I good at? What do I want to do without letting that get distracted by others pressures um, to compete or to be something you're not. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that's really important you know, a, a really important part of the process is knowing yourself, what you're good at, what you're passionate about and pursue that. And the rest will come to you. Well, see, and that's probably the part where I haven't figured out yet because in the swing community, meaning that, um, I'm really passionate about dancing. I love competing Jack and Jill and strictly swing. I'm really passionate about teaching. I love teaching workshops and privates. Um, and I'm really passionate about my judging. I stand behind my scores, you can always, you always know, and I'm always fair. Um, so I think I'm great at three things and I've, I've, I've been a head judge before and I'm good at that, but I, I don't have a passion mm -hmm. for it. I'd rather be, you know, doing other things. And so maybe, you know, I'm doing three things at the same time also because I love them. I love all three of them and I'm not ready to give up one of them yet. But I don't think you have <laughs> to. I would say you're, because I feel like your place is, um, and we've mentioned the word brand, but I think your place is kind of your brand in that, um, for me, and again, what I love so much about you, one of the things anyway, is your authenticity. And mm -hmm. I do think that, um, you are you, and I feel like your teaching is not just about the dance. You, you develop people personally as well yes. as technically or artistically, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. there will always be a place for that. No, I, yeah, you're right. Like, I feel That's... like your place is not just as 
a professional. It's as like a, a mentor human. or somebody, yeah, <laughs> somebody who develops talent. Um, and that's, that's really important. Yeah, I agree with that too. I think a lot of those like, you know, quote unquote pros that you mentioned, a lot mm-hmm. of them, you know, aspire to be teachers um, or aspire to be performers. Right. But they're not there yet. And you are there. You have a depth of experience. You have a passion and compassion for mm-hmm. other people. And you generally are, you are genuinely invested in others' success on a personal yes. level. And that, that distinguishes you, I think, as a leader in our community. Not to say that others don't also have compassion the way no, you I do. No, I get what but you're I, saying. I think there is a, a, an angle and approach that mm-hmm. is uniquely you. Yes, I, I agree with that statement. Um, and, and I love that a lot of people, um, will come to me and ask me, you know, for advice or, you know, just, just want to talk. And I said, well, I'll listen. Um, I think it's important to have compassion for others. Mm-hmm. Makes the dance better too. Yeah. Imagine that. A dance I mean, with other could, people. Right. <laughs> I find sometimes we get lost in the, um, in the minutia of the dance. Yes. You know, like the clicks and the, and I'm better than you and she didn't make finals or, you know, cause there is a little bit of that in the swing dance community. When we just like let all of that go and recognize that we, I think we all want the same thing. I think we all want to be happy and make a good living and, you know, enjoy life. Uh, so I think, you know, dancing is part of all of that, but we can't, how we circumvent the dance to get to all those things is what we have to be very careful of how yeah. we choose to do it. I agree. Okay. What do you feel like is next for your dance journey? Well, interestingly enough, I will be competing at the U.S. Open okay. this year, which is not something um, that I expected, but it was definitely something that I've been wanting to do. Mm-hmm. I miss, I miss competing on the dance floor with a partner. I miss performing. Um, and not for a specific outcome reason, but because I enjoy doing it. Right. Um, so I'm excited that I'll be dancing with PJ Turner at the U.S. Open in the classic division. So that's a new like step for me. And I'm not sure where that journey is going to take us, but that's my next stepping stone. It's, it's exciting. And it's also, it's also scary too, right? Absolutely. Because. Right. Even though that was a venue that I was very experienced in and very successful in uh, competing and performing, um, I haven't done it in a while and now I'm coming back and then I'm like, wait a minute. Hey, there's, there's no need for pressure. I've already done everything I need to do in the swim community as far as accomplish. Right. I've accomplished so many things. Right. This would just be one more thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'm just going to enjoy the process, which I've been enjoying. It's been a really fun journey. Um, learning choreography with PJ and just dancing and having, you know, fun, t- uh, co- uh, um, practicing together for the choreography. So I'm just, I'm just thankful that I have that. And, you know, wherever the universe takes me, I'll accept that challenge. And this was a, uh, the naked truth exclusive Deborah Zake competing with PJ Turner at the U S <laughs> open. I'm so excited. I didn't expect you to say anything about it. That's awesome. <laughs> no, yeah. It's all good. I mean, uh, you know, I don't need it to be a secret, you know, it, it didn't, ha- it happened pretty quickly, everything. Um, and again, like, I feel like the universe does, you know, make things happen. Yes. So I'm just going to let the universe take care of it and not worry about it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Trust in the universe. So, yes. um, <laughs> well, this was a really interesting conversation and actually there are things that you talked about that I had never actually talked to you about before. So that was right. fun for me too. <laughs> Excellent. Um, As well you. And uh, I hope it's useful for other people to hear, you know, about the struggles that we've had in finding our place and um, some of the things we've learned about knowing ourselves better and, and just continuing to learn and follow our passions and see what happens without, without letting too much of that other stuff get in the way of us finding who we are and who we Mm want to be in this community. Um, I hope, you know, one of my hopes for my students, I don't emphasize competition with them, but you know, those who want to compete though, I fully support and I will help you. But I just, um, and this is partly inspired by you. Like I'm really interested in developing my students as people. I want them to, to feel that sense of ease, you know, at Mm -hmm. least a fraction of it that you and I feel 
um, mm-hmm. having been more experienced in this community. Because um, I, I recognize it really is a challenge. I've struggled with it. You struggled with it. And I yeah. know almost, I, I don't know anybody who hasn't struggled with it at some point. I think it's important for people to understand too, that like I, it's, it's very important for me when I'm at uh, swing events, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm usually very accessible, but I also, I also make it a point to connect with people. You know, I, I, I say to myself, all right, I haven't spoken to this person in a while. I got to make sure you know, I connect with them and so on and so forth. And, um, and I think that's, that's important on helping you become someone in the community. Remember the only way to get somewhere is to bring everybody else with you. So the more you connect with people and the more you, you know, work together, the, the, the better your journey will be. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. A leader is not a leader without followers. That's right. Um, and you know, they say it's not what you know, it's who you know, but I have learned it's not who you know, it's who knows you. <laughs> people like need to it. know like because i'm on the job hunt right now and like <laughs> i can send my resume to somebody and be like hey remember me but if they don't remember me right. if they don't know who i am and what i'm capable of then those opportunities aren't going to be open to me or presented to me um so there's something about really getting to know people and allowing them to know you mm-hmm. it's not just a one-way like oh well i know so and so it's you know, do they know you too? Are you, are you yourself with them? Do they know what you're capable of or what you offer? And I'm not just a, like a dancer. Like, you know, I don't, we don't always have to talk about dance. It would be nice to talk about life, you know, barring religion and politics. Cause I just don't even want to deal with any of that, honestly, yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, but other things that don't necessarily have to be dance related. It's nice to not, you know, not so be, not be so superficial all the time and like, like get to know somebody. It's important. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, with that, I think, um, that's a good stopping point and we'll wrap up our very first episode of the naked. This was so exciting. This was awesome. Um, I hope other people feel the same way, but I enjoyed talking to you as I always do. Um, Mm -hmm. so for those of you listening, this is just the first of many weekly episodes that we hope to bring you. You can find us online at thenakedtruthwcs.com. Don't forget the WCS. It might bring you to something inappropriate. Um, I don't know. I haven't tried it. I probably should. But uh, you can find us at that website. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is NakedTruthWCS. And you can find us on Instagram, TheNakedTruthWCS. You can like us. You can follow us. You can share us. Um, and more importantly, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and a number of other podcast hosting platforms. And of course, if you enjoyed this episode, that's awesome. And maybe you want to go ahead and leave us a review. That'd be nice too. say hello. Um, you can send us messages, leave comments on the website, reach out on Facebook, Twitter. We'd love to hear from you what you thought of this episode, maybe something you want to want us to talk about or tackle in the future. Um, and in the meantime, you can look forward to our next episode with fingers crossed, a very special guest. Very special. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Eric. And I'm Deborah. And, and that's, that's the, the Naked, naked Truth. Truth. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Eric. And I'm Deborah. And, and that's, that's the Naked the Truth. Naked Truth. Okay. We got to do that last part again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ready? Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Eric. And I'm Deborah. And, and that's, that's the naked truth. The naked truth. You're going so slowly. Okay, we gotta do it again. <laughs> well, so, so you want to do and that's the naked truth? Yes. Well, how do you want to do it? Okay. I'm doing that, but you know why it's throwing me off? Because I'm looking I'm <laughs> Don't looking look at me. Out. Just listen. <laughs> okay. Let's do it this way. We'll do it quick. Ready go. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Eric. And I'm Deborah. And, and that's, that's the, the naked, naked truth. truth. That was it. <laughs> Did it All right. sound right? Yes. That was it. Sure, I feel like there was a delay. Let me hear it.